looked like Dead Cat wanted to chime in. Is that what the waving is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what the waving is. Can you hear me? Well, just so you know, there's like you can put your hand up to make that more clear. But yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead, man. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, my thought about this is, uh, isn't diversity like the most backwards thing ever? I mean, we need diversity in thoughts, not diversity in uh, in people of skin color or ethnic backgrounds, because it only creates backgrounds. Uh, it only creates groups and peoples and labels on which we can like uh, attack each other with. Like, oh, you're this kind of group. Oh, you're this kind of people. Oh, you vote left. You vote right. So I don't think you're. Uh, your opinion anymore um, we, we should value people of what they do and what they get done not because of the diversity of their background or skin color you know what I mean okay, I think so diversity is very back, uh, very backwards it's not a government we need system. diversity in th- yeah we need diversity yeah. in thoughts but not diversity in oh yeah I need you in my company because my CEO says, I need you. We need more Indian people. Or, you know what I mean? I think it's, it becomes a very toxic playground when you, when you specify like that. Yeah, well, what we're, talking, we're kind of making a different point because we're, we're talking about governance system in, in general. Um, we're talking about the issues that arise when people basically have different beliefs that are conflicting and they're living in the same area in the same sovereign uh, entity, right? So uh, um, let's maybe, did Luca, did you have a response to that or did you want to say something? Sure. Um, I think you have, there's like three options. I mean, Yarvin and Nick Land talk about, I'm not saying anything unique. Um, The Greeks also kind of get into this, uh, there's monarchy, oligarchy, and a mix of both. And I think America kind of has a mix of both. I mean, we have an elite, obviously, but then we also have the president. And it's kind of like an elective monarchy that's like superimposed on top of an oligarchy. Um, so that's what we have. And it's okay. It's like a decent system, I guess. Um, I think a monarchy is probably best. Uh I, I would disagree with Aristotle that like a mixed system would be would be best. I get where he's coming from, but I just don't I don't think that's true. Um, I think a monarchy is probably the best system. Did you have any thoughts on whether or not like crypto tech could uh, help facilitate that system at all? Um, I'm a little I think the nature of cryptocurrency is that it's decentralized and i think any of its influence is going to uh disperse and decentralize power uh you might you might <laughs> the only thing i can think of is something like like a hulpa situation where people make like cov- covenant communities or something um i know that's kind of what yarvin wants like tech billionaires making covenant communities I don't know how, how reason, I don't like know if that's going to end up happening. I think what's probably just going to happen is it's going to disperse power more. Uh, crypto is. So I think you would, I think you would probably see a more oligarchic system potentially.
Well, if anybody else wants to to chime in, uh, feel free to do so. Otherwise, I'm going to loop back to something HDP said a while ago. But if, if someone wants to run on, on any of these tangents we're on, feel free or just raise your hand. Um, so did you, did you want to talk, Ronald? No, I mean, I was just going to chime in. Um, I think Charles Haywood is like ridiculous in saying the regime will collapse in like less than five years. But um, he he uh, he was in a talk with someone recently. Uh, I forget. I can try to post it. But he's basically just saying like the United States is too big and too diverse to exist as a, a unified political entity. And I think if you look at history, kind of uh, multicultural empires tend to dissolve into smaller uh, political entities. It's just kind of the way these things go. Um, I mean, I think that will happen. It's just. I think the next stage is kind of just like tyranny, you know? So I think um, it's already kind of happening with states. I mean, this is like kind of my criticism of Yarvin's like techno uh, dispersion monarchy thing is that like the most natural, legitimate uh, center of power in the United States outside of the federal government or the states. That's what people just naturally look to. And they seem to be growing very distinctive from each other. Like, I don't know if living in Texas or Florida has ever been more different than living in New York, like since slavery. Like, I mean, we're talking about like vastly different environments to live in now, uh, legislatively speaking, obviously with the internet and stuff, the social environment's going to be similar, but in terms of like the laws on the books, living in a place like Florida with their education system, very different than living in Chicago or whatever. Um, so, I think probably people are, are going to turn to federalism, uh, and I think people already are. I don't know if it's sufficient, um, but people are also going to start kind of like pushing the lines. Like, I think Texas is going to very soon start deporting people into Mexico. I think they're going to start doing something like that. I think they're going to start really pushing the lines of legality and challenging federal authority. I uh, I heard you mention New York City, and on my timeline, there was like <laughs> the best possible video ever from Casey Neistat. I think we all know. Oh yeah, where he, where it's like a where he's like walking, and there's a hole in the ground. Yeah, I put it on the nest. You can crazy, see it in the yeah. spaces nest. That's crazy. I saw that on TikTok. It's really scary. Yeah, it's like it goes all the way into like piping and like the basement of this place. Yeah, it's just a lawsuit waiting to happen. But yeah, the infrastructure in these cities is deteriorating. I mean, it's absolutely um, crazy how fast it's happening. I I guess last comment on, uh, or I guess Robinson has his hand up if you wanted to speak. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think in a lot of ways what you and Lucas said are like kind of similar in the sense that multiculturalism kind of leads to decentralization, but even though that wasn't its intentions, and I do think federalism in a lot of ways is kind of that where you're just going to see the states kind of just do their own thing. And I mean, I do, I do think in an increasing multiculturalist world, we only really have two options, which the first one would be the preferable one, which is decentralization or states just ignoring whatever the federal government does. But that may be that may still have a lot of problems. But the second is just simply finding some issue in particular that kind of unites people from different backgrounds. Um, but 
that still has its own problems since, you know, after, like, if you do get a victory with that afterwards, it's kind of like, what do you do? And, you know, I kind of think about like how, um, like in the, during like the progressive era, like that kind of like represented a serious divide between Protestants and Catholics. But whenever you're looking at how they're operating now in more modern times, um, they're pretty much allies. Um, you know, the religious right, you can pretty much be from any denomination and you're pretty much in opposition to the left. So, I mean, we have to find some function, I think, that can pretty much make, I mean, I hate using this word because I don't, I don't, Vivek and I don't talk about the same thing, but when Vivek said something like a, a multi-ethnic coalition, I mean, I knew he meant something else, but I do think that may have to be like some temporary stop until we can just stop the managerial state from doing whatever it's doing. Um, if the state won't collapse the way it is. And I, I don't really think it will. Like when Charles Haywood said, we're, we're going to die in five years. I thought that was one of the dumbest things that could be said just simply because there's just been so many things that have been occurring where we should have collapsed by now. And we just haven't like, Oh, eight should have caused us to collapse or getting off the gold standard should have caused us to collapse. And none of those things occurred. There's always just some adjustment that they can make to just make us sicker as a country. So yeah, I, think some people I do think the, it's on the new right. Uh, underemphasize the importance of anti-leftism, but that really is like pretty important. I mean, anti-leftism is what prevents institutions from going down that path. Like you need some sort of like anti-fragile thing that can prevent pernicious ideologies from taking over. And yeah, I think you're right that anti-left is, although it's not sufficient, it's not like a prescriptive vision for the future and it doesn't really motivate people. Um, it is like, an, I think, an important um, presupposition that all conservative institutions need to have at the very least. Yeah, I, I think at this point, the, the only thing that I could really say that could maybe really motivate people like on the on the right or maybe people that are just like opposed to the left would be like all of a sudden like you know you're you're a dad or you're a mother or you're a husband or you're a wife and you just have no say over what's happening directly in your household since the household's like a small kingdom and you're supposed to be the sovereign there so when you lose all power over you know the affair the affairs in your household that may be the only thing where people are just like okay like i don't like you neighbor but you know we got to get rid of these people but there's just nothing else I can see at this moment. There's nothing that can motivate us. The, not the yeah. economy, not immigration, not even religion. I mean, I mean, religion I mean, should have been the function. On, right? the, on the coalitional point, I mean, just look at cons quote-unquote conservative institutions that haven't become anti-leftist, like National Review or right. these, like governors that are still living in 2006, like Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas. Like, they just don't get it. They think that the – they just completely misunderstand where the lines are like where they're drawn. And uh, so I think it's, it needs to be, and <clears throat> I, I think we're nearing a point where it's not enough. Like, I think you also need to be anti-white racism. I think that's, we, that also needs to be something that we start holding people accountable to. But at the very least, you need to be anti-leftist. I agree. I meant anti-anti-white race. I don't, I don't even know how to say that without it sounding stupid, but you get what I'm saying. Hello, everyone.
Well, I could definitely provide some insight because um, <laughs> I do have some wacky politics. Ah, yeah, it's a very serious account here. Uh, I, I try to be serious with it. Hey, try try to remember that technology changes things. Absolutely. So, when it comes to best governance system, you know, I'll do a, uh, well, I'll talk about uh, the role of sex and gender in the best governance. So what does the best society work? How does it work? Because usually in sociology, um, you know, in the West, it's usually the families, the uh, the the core building block of society. However, I personally uh, do see society best as having uh, two main groups, one for males and one for females. Um, and the only time that the two groups would interact is for, for procreation. Otherwise, it, wow. I think it's best for culture and for, uh, and for the livelihood of the child for there to be two distinct groups for both, for each of the sexes. Um, I can go more in depth with this. You don't want people to only interact for procreation. Um, I think it's best for culture. So you don't eat like dinner together, I guess. <laughs> no, no I, no, I don't. That's kind of weird. Uh, as fascinating of a proposal as that is, I don't think I particularly care to go down that road. Okay, compared fine. to the other ones. But... I just joined. Okay. <sighs> Oh, what else? I mean, I'm generally just very like, libertarian. Like around, so, small I like government. Being around attractive women. It makes me feel happier. It makes me feel, uh, makes me feel gay. You, Gays you feel for gay. gay when you're around attractive women. Yeah. He's on, he's on the old definition of get happy. I guess it's both <laughs> definitions. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel jovial when I'm around. <laughs> I feel jovial yeah. and gay. I wanted to say, uh, Fallen, you were saying, um, or maybe HGP was saying, um, you have this almost like, you know, platonic guardian class who like, you know, people elect and then they elect stuff and they're like educated and all this. And it's like, I think when you talk about um, localism and organic rulers, um, you almost have to think about it being different in every area. So obviously um, if you had um, like maybe a farming community, it would be like a large landowner or something. And maybe if you had like a fishing village in Alaska, um, you would have someone who has like, you know, multiple boats or has a big family of fishermen who's like well-known. And, and I think hop says something that, um, Natural natural elites are people of superior wealth, wisdom, and bravery that people naturally come to look to to settle their disputes as like a, a judge, um, that they, they would play this role of judge as kind of a, a, a public service, service. Uh, you know, just, just to, it, it, they obviously get something like respect and power from it, but um that they kind of uphold the civilized order and in, in that community and people naturally come to look to them and respect their opinions and their judgments. And um, so I, I wanted to say, I think it, I think it would be kind of different. Ideally, I think it would be different of um, who should rule in a specific community, you know? Yeah. Gary North kind of talks about this. He was a contemporary of Hoppe and Rothbard. He talks he specifically he's interested in the Bible and the period of the judges because 
you talk about judges, that's exactly how these guys were decided. They were decided, they weren't just decided based off their superiority as uh, war chieftains, although that was a part. They were superior war chieftains. You think of Samson, who like led various campaigns in Canaanite territory and whatnot. Uh, but they also were unique because of their wisdom. They had uh, this unique uh, spirit of God upon them and this wisdom that they proliferated. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds. They were basically like a, a judge general, right? And um, ultimately, when, when things get the most primal, that's what people are looking to. They're looking towards these larger-than-life figures. What, um, do you have like a, a name? Is that a book? Or uh, could you... PM me that what is yeah uh, Gary from? North Gary North has a, has some uh, um, anthropological studies of the Old Testament that are quite interesting. I don't agree with everything he says, but very smart guy. I'm definitely interested in going like further in this direction with the conversation because this is actually like getting into like more of my day to day stuff with like philosophy and kind of like theological related things, and that's more or less the connection to like why I, I I'm curious in, in this stuff is like, yeah. So, so we're getting into that. Um, I guess, how would I frame it? Uh, one of the main concerns for me, well, okay, <laughs> let's, let's put it this way. We, we can idealize a system where like each sovereign entity, or we can even just like look at one sovereign, one entity and like say, it's going to be the most functional, if it has this like religious level of cohesion and social trust and all that. Right. Um, but then there's kind of this inevitable, I guess, corruption that leaks into that. And also just like this tendency for more and more people to want to rebel to, I guess the corruption takes form of like dogmatism uh, in, in large degree. And we can get, we can go down that rabbit hole if you guys want to. Um, but then, we get to this point where like more and more people are wanting to eject themselves from the system. So I guess in a governance system that's really centered on kind of re religious level cohesion, we still kind of need a mechanism, I guess. And, and this would go back to my original definition of what we talked about, like the democratic force is like at the beginning of the conversation, Ronald, it's that transient force of like, how does the narrative shift? How does power uh, transition from one form to another? Like, if we looked at a specific example, what if Islam were to take over the entire globe, uh, but then like 30% of the people decided that they're, they're like certain aspects needed to be updated? How do, we, how do we go about updating things, right? How do we have an account? I mean, it kind of comes back to the accountability mechanism question, which is like what this space is primarily uh been about kind of well typ typically people have wars so i don't know if you were here i mentioned the 30 years war between different christians but it's typically what they do well i mean is that an answer then is like just embrace that there are going to be wars like sure i'm not embracing uh, it. i'm just not a progressive like uh it's just like life on earth is uh you know fallen and suffering and 
I think you have to accept that because otherwise you're in a delusion factory. Absolutely. We yeah, need I mean, we need blockchain to create transparent demons that openly wage war upon the world so that we can have an eternal conflict in the open. <laughs> and then that way the the coordination can manifest most, you know, in the strongest way that makes the human spirit move, you know, at its most high value. I'm so glad you just hit the nail on the head with the direction I was trying to go with all this. Thank you. I think um, Bukele is a good example of somebody that's uh, honoring kind of the basics of what a magistrate should do and being being like very basic with his enforcement of law and order. Like that's he's basically a single issue person. Like it's it's only that. And uh, his 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 ideology is that uh, uh, crime causes poverty, not the other way around. Uh, which is a truth that everybody seems to avoid in the United States. We all think it's the other way around, but it's not. Um, and, you know, what would you know when they start locking all of these these gang members up, these thugs, uh, their GDP is going up now. And people are rising out of poverty. Less people are, are traveling to the United States because there's actually an environment now that's uh, conducive to business and other things in a place like uh, – El Salvador. So I know people that are vacationing there now. And yeah, some of the numbers might be fudged, uh, but it's for sure gone down. I mean, undoubtedly. So I think um, it's a good example of how, you know, we have this, we have all this tradition, we have all this constitution, but at the end of the day, we can't enforce law and order in our great American cities. It doesn't really matter. Um, A guy that's just doing the basics is getting it done and everybody's looking to him like he's a genius when he's not really doing anything exceptional. He's just doing what a sovereign should do. Do you know what the European uh, action to this would have been? They would have thought that maybe we can rehabilitate these MS-13 gang members. Maybe we can help them. Maybe we can turn them over to our side and give them a job. That's our soft approach in the EU. What the uh, what uh, um, the guy in uh, in uh, El Salvador is doing? He's just locking them up. He's he's putting them in jail. He's expanding jails. He's making jails for tens of thousands of people, and it works because people are actually going to El Salvador right now on vacation. They think it's a safe place because. Six uh, years ago, it was not a safe place, and I like his uh, his harsh uh, his harsh mechanisms on uh, fighting back, because the EU mechanisms they are uh, not very harsh. <laughs> Rehabilitation has its role with helping individuals, but it really can't work with groups, especially gang structures. So it makes the most sense to have you know. To be a strong man and induce punishment. But yeah, that's a, that's a sign of you know that's an example. Yep. Of I mean, this is where government gains its basic legitimacy from: is its ability to lock up criminals. And this is something the United States is incapable of doing. You know, so I, I, I respect anybody that you know. And Bolsonaro tried to do this, but he had so much structure he had to go through when he was in Brazil. Um, I, I respect anyone that's. That's, you know, getting back to the basics on these things.
and he's and, and, and I love when he tweets out at us and it's like, like what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like when he does that because it because it it indicts us. It 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 it, it makes us ask the question if we've if we've been doing it all wrong for so long. Yeah, well, I think okay, the West, so I think the West has done it very wrong for a long time because, uh, for example, where I'm from, we're shutting down jails because we tend to put criminals into rehabilitation programs instead of putting them in jail. Then they get out of rehabilitation programs and everyone thinks it works. It doesn't. For the majority, it doesn't. In Sweden, Finland, and Norway, it's it's the dream haven for for uh, Democrats in the U.S. They think, oh yeah, the Sweden and all the Nordic countries are doing it so well. They have um, criminal, they have prisons that look better than your hotel rooms, even in Vegas actually, and they don't rehabilitate. They they don't. The majority don't rehabilitate. Stop it. People who have it so twisted in their heads that do so criminal, weird things, you lock them up for life. You cannot rehabilitate them. Multiple people in the Netherlands, where I'm from, have gotten out of rehabilitation. They get like two hours or something. They can go outside. They flee, and nobody knows where they are. It's a 40... It's like a 45, maybe 60 day year, um, uh, 60 days where they look for them. It's, it's like six months where they look for them. It's insane. And the people are... You, know, you also have to wonder how many of these situations, not specifically the migrant crises. I don't think the migrant crises is caused by spiritual things indirectly necessarily, but... You know, some of the, some of these people, like some of these, um, these, uh, like you think of like the crime wave in the seventies, which was mostly like deranged white men. Uh, this might be like demonization or something. I mean, the way that the way it kind of like takes places by hold, um, and we need to be aware that like these people need to be removed from society, probably like completely, um, until they change or maybe we just need to get, maybe we just need the death penalty for some of these people. Yeah. Maybe they had a bad youth. That's what they always say in my country. They had a bad youth. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't deduce it entirely to circumstantial things. It's generally a matter of one's own will and agency that makes one commit a crime. Um, of course there will be like, you know, there's a lot of theories about environmental variables. Like uh, I think it's like a, like of lead, you know, inducing crime for all for all I know. So you guys um, are against criminal rights, like rights. I, I I I I'm in favor, but I see rehabilitation as more so. Uh, it's best when it's preventative. Um, I think criminals should have the right to flee. It sucks that there's this global hegemony to capture you wherever and extradite you, and that you can't have anywhere to run from. Um. I I think one of the biggest yeah, problems is uh we're talking about is under the assumption that the government's legitimate, you know, <laughs> like if it's not legitimate, then certain things need not apply. But when it comes to retribution, I think the best form is through vigilantism, and uh, 
you know, just because an eye for an eye is really the best way for things to go about. Um, that said, really the only role of the government should be when it when the, when uh, when the, the defending party can't, uh, you know, get the 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 uh, you know the person the murderer and uh, you know, and then the state has more of a more of a valid role, you know, for the social good. Yeah, I do wonder though. I mean, there's just like some of the crime you see now. It's like so. Uh, it almost seems needless the way that like. You see, like, uh, CCT cameras of people just, like, walking up to, to old ladies and just beating the crap out of them. And I do well, think there might there might be a spiritual dimension to it. And I think um, it's also deeply racial as well. Like, there's a lot of uh, racism among uh, communities and cities. So, Yes, there's pandemonium. I, I do see that when I'm looking at libs of TikToks videos. However, like... It is like a lack of heritage, like you know, broken family structures. Uh, you know, uh, not that you know, the culture is not really not that good um, for a lot of these people. Um, it's usually a, it's a lot more broad. So you know, you, you have to think of the motives of why someone would want to commit a crime. Because while people can definitely act, you know, on a whim without any like hesitation, uh, you know, or any you know, without any thinking, like most people do things for a reason. Maybe it's the way someone looks. Maybe it's the environment that they're in. Maybe it's you know, there's a financial reason. Um, people just uh, people just don't commit crimes for the sake of doing so. Um, yeah, like most murders are between people like, who know each other. Of, I don't know if that's true. Most of the crime, I think that we no, react strongly to, is totally meaningless. You, you got to get into the mind of a schizophrenic, and you got to like yeah, yeah, all yeah. There's the a lot of schizos and. And it's not just like, but even but even with schizos, it's like, like it's like drug induced schizophrenia. Like most of these people are on drugs when they're doing this. Oh, thing. you know, trill. But even schizophrenia, the delusions and hallucinations are from like culture. Like schizophrenia in the West is very different from schizophrenia in like say Eastern East yeah, Asian I countries. Know. I don't even know what that means, but I, I, a lot of it's drug. Okay, related. well, it's not mental illness. Like we associate it with I, I agree or, or it's not it, mental illness. It's mental illness that's triggered by the drug point is that there's a structure of reason within each person's actions, whether it's, you know, you know, very illogical or rational or crazy. There's always some form of structure. And it might be a totally different set of, you know, truth oh, that's ridiculous. Reasons. That's absolutely people obviously act irrational all the time. I'll I'll agree with you that the state should act um regardless of the person's intentions. However, yeah, no, when, when it comes to no, finding a punishment, yeah, however, it is uh, intention is an important part of litigating crimes. What are you talking about? Um, it depends on which crime. I'll, okay, so you're right. No, it, no, it depends it on which crime. This is like very important, is like with murder and other things like this. Um, uh, I do think it's in. This is how you distinguish between first degree and manslaughter. Yeah, I know. Yeah, whether it was well, you or not. need look. You need a social standard to reference, otherwise you'll have yeah. no coherence. Like, uh, okay, you can't, I, just, you can't just because the, okay, you got that point. everybody's you know has their own reason doesn't mean that those reasons should even be validated. It, but it does mean that there is reasons, and if you want to study it and see why people do stuff, have fun. Well, we believe that reason is more than just uh, internal. We believe it's also ex- that's why reasonability. An appeal to reason is is a central part of the common law court system. I mean, that's how we uh, that's how we decide who who did crimes and who didn't, ultimately. Um, but but yeah, people will do irrational things sometimes. Like, and a lot of times it's caused by mental illness or drug use or both. 
And I think it's growing. Yeah. I, think, I think it's growing, unfortunately. Like, I don't think a lot of people are robbing stores so they can feed their kids. I think a lot of people are really high and they're robbing stores. All right. All right. I want to I wanna kind of redirect this a little bit in more of a, you could say, like, white pill EX sort of direction just for a second here, um, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, so definitely agree uh, that, the, you know, these problems are very real, but I'm curious in talking or just like speculating about like potential solutions. So just for a minute, I'm going to loop back to something HDP said earlier, and then we can, we can get back into this. So I think, you know, in a lot of cases there, there's a lot of complex, a complexity to like the context in which these people end up where they are. And the way I like to look at it, I think I personally think from a philosophical perspective that the most healthy way to look at it is to see these like forms of mental illness and shit as a symptom of a bigger societal issue. Because then if we think of it that way, we can actually work to identify and, and, and solve that issue. So um, like getting back to some of the things we've been talking about in this space or were earlier anyway, um, I want to just consider what HDP was saying about this idea of using cryptographic systems to basically be able to measure sentiment and just like explore that idea or relate his ideas about like, how could we give people a sense that they're being heard? Maybe like, is, is that part of this issue? How, how did we, reintegrate people into a more coherent society such that people don't just you know fall down this nihilism hole you know whatever number of complex factors lead to we have you know we have all these schizophrenics on the street and all this shit um you know how do we make a more coherent society this sort of stuff so i think it's worth exploring and like to touch on ronald's point from earlier you know you said you're not progressive. Well, I'm not either. I'm as critical as utopianism as anyone, but progress is a thing, right? Things do change over time and things do develop and we do develop new technologies. And, you know, regardless of how optimistic you are about it, you can still predict, you know, what's going to happen next. And honestly, if we're not doing that, I don't know why the fuck we're even talking. So, um, I would uh, propose so. that the, the, the lower classes, of America are over socialized and the middle classes are under socialized and it's causing kind of a problem. I mean, I think we used to think of the youth here as, as all over socialized. You think of like Woodstock 99 or whatever, and like people tearing stuff down and how crazy that was. But with the wave of the internet and stuff and the, in the state of the suburbs, it seems like a lot of, uh, kids are in the in the middle class are like atomized and kind of without meaning uh irreligious just like uh vessels to be used for terrible events and stuff uh so i I think that's like a a, a unique problem with the american middle class but the but like i was saying the the the, that, that hasn't really affected the lower classes of the country the lower classes are still in gangs the lower classes are still having sex disproportionately at young ages. Um, so they have more culture. What was that? They have more culture. Uh, I don't know if that's the primary reason. I think the primary reason is, uh, one, it's, it's location. 
and uh, yeah, it's too. It's I think I think a lot of it has to do with geography and location. Um, I'd actually argue occupation. Um, you hear me right now? Okay. Yeah, I think it's mostly occupation because uh, like a lot of the work. Oh, when it comes to jobs, like. I think I think in American society there's yeah, definitely a distinction right. between manual labor, occupation, for yeah, sure. and then like middle class is usually you know aspiring for college education and um, you know and, and generally like you know jobs that are going to be out of their reach. So there's less socialization that would occur at a younger yeah, age for employment opportunities. In environment, I would put that. I think environment is the yeah. Put that oh. in the environment category. Yeah. Um, no, but it's it's a serious problem. I mean, two completely different ways of living. And and it's an un like you can't even begin to understand the the gap between the two, and that's why that's another reason I think there's so much division. I would say uh, just to, just to add on and expand, um, definitely family structure is a big one. Um, lower income generally has uh, more you know extended families, and then middle middle income has um, more nuclear families, which is I think on the way out. Um, no, no, not yet, but like it, it is starting. That's, it is starting to dwindle and fracture. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, okay. I know you guys don't want me to double down on the gender and sex argument, but I do think that it does play a role in uh, preventing crime. Um, there's a lot of crime that occurs between people of different biological sexes. Um, it's probably. I think it's probably like the most common. Um, and I think if a lot of people, uh, yeah, you know, did you, did you see the crime, crime between men um, and women. Um, it, um, well, it's men and women. You know, it's not uh, common. I, I whether it be perceived for rape or whether it be perceived through, um, uh, or, or a lot of times, uh, the failure of maintain, of resolving issues in the household can, uh, you know, encourage like gang violence. You know, can encourage uh, like membership in gangs. Um, so, um, which is generally like the same crime, sex. Most crime in America is between black men, young black men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's, it, but yeah, obviously not, families not between like is young black women. Equal? Young black women don't are not committing like most of the crimes in America. Like mm-hmm. it's disproportionate compared to other young women of different races, but it's not it's not substantial. So. Wait, women aren't committing most of the crimes. You should see my divorce decree. Okay. I, and, and even most, like, white crime is against other whites, right? Because it's happening in areas where that's occurring. Um, Hello. Hey, Bubble. So I have... What exactly... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just have an opinion. Please give us a white pill, Mr. EX. Yeah, so we need best to... governance system. It's an interesting question. I can't say I've thought about it at all before joining this space, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So I personally think that only like we should only let people who are strong in power because I kind of miss the days where you just had to become a strong, bulking man to take control of people and push your will on them. Nowadays, like you still need to be powerful, but it's a different kind of power. It's not physical It's not strength. It's not how much you can lift. It's kind of like, you know, how cunning you are, how much money you have, and so on. Being Machiavellian is kind of based, though, like being really slippery as a politician. Yeah. Some of the best politicians are that. 
kind of based but when you think about it like i'd rather have someone who's like in power who got there just because they were hitting the gym they were fighting like they they had to bleed to get into that position i i think you would have a lot worse politicians like while it is good to have a kinesthetic you know sense of your body and there's definitely intelligence that can be derived from that at least uh you know like being able to be self-aware and uh you know have control of your your one's life um but i'm just saying like they got skin in the game i mean the the best politicians in in the west are like fat guys basically so i don't know um i i I would say this i I do think Nietzsche's right that there's like a a polinarian dionysian distinction but i don't know if i don't know if you you're, you're gonna get like dionysian politicians uh just because they work out or something like that's 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 a much deeper thing and i don't even know if it's correlated i mean to to work out all the time is a very methodical thing yeah. that you're doing, but, right? It's not, it's not very spontaneous. I'm not only talking people about like, physical like strength, though. People like, people like Trump are, are Dionysian, they're spontaneous, um, and they're not physically fit. No, so. it's not all about <laughs> physical fitness. It's about strength and whatever the domain is. Like right now, strength is like military power. Like how much power do you have, right? So – well, it, it would be nice to have paramilitaries uh, roaming the U.S. and for uh, for there to be more of a feudalist structure where the common citizen is represented in their government uh, as a matter of their like you know how many uh, what's what's the term like how many marbles they have in their bag. I see this. I see this with a lot of the like the BAP people, but I think this is like totally misunderstanding what Nietzsche is talking about, like. The Apollinarian Dionysian distinction has with almost it has, okay, it has almost nothing to do with uh, with how physically fit you are. I mean, Nietzsche saw himself as like superhuman, and he was adored. Who is Nietzsche? I just came up with this myself. Swiss philosopher um, who, uh, yeah, I was like pretty influential in, in philosophy. A lot, never a lot heard of, of you know, him. Uh, okay, well, read read about him. He's pretty. Pretty famous. It depends on which philosophy circles you exist yeah. in. Yeah, some people um, hate them. Some people have think you guys uh, ever come across the Ian M. Banks culture novels? Um, they're a sci-fi, um, but uh, the, one of the interesting things about those novels is uh, the government is now run by AGI, uh, not like our LLMs, Chat GPT, but like a true artificial intelligence because they found that well i mean let me finish real quick and then you can comment on how stupid you think it is but uh what they found was that humans were too easily corruptible but the ais themselves would follow the letter of the law to to the letter yeah okay um well you don't have to say all that because it's pretty stupid but in general i just view ai as glorified statistics and at least in the state that exists in a commercial sense I mean, now pose, it's mostly just a tool i do think ai poses an existential threat but we're not near it so uh, oh he left or did he change his profile all right, good whatever oh he's back oh well Oh, we answered it. <laughs> like a Mission Impossible movie, you know, where the AI is underneath the ice caps or something. <laughs> yeah, it's uh What's up? It's, What's it's up? A fad. You know, a more perfect ideal. 
Well, I don't really care to go down the AI rabbit hole too deep in this convo. Trying to talk more about maybe like crypto empowered governance systems, maybe like that direction for sure is interesting. Um, but because we got HTTP I can get into stuff. Humility based. If there's an AI that gets power, becomes the elite, and then its entire job is just to dump the elites down, the human elites down, such that it just maintains its power. So whenever a human makes a really good discovery, like there's an Albert Einstein in the generation, and just like it kills them off, or you know, or or it just messes up with I mean, research. I mean, we computer. can talk about like AI in the governance system, but I think it makes more sense to start with like uh, you know crypto tech in the governance system and just like tech in the governance system in general, uh, optimal uh, psychotech in the governance system, stuff like that. So trying to focus mostly like in that direction for this combo. Uh, definitely agree with like a lot of the issues y'all have been pointing out, but I do kind of want to point it more in direction of like, yeah, I, how can I, we actually so make things have better? Have talked about like a state creating its own currency at all? It's not about currency. Okay. Okay. What about this? So you, you create some sort of national survey and people sign their survey um, using like their own NFT or something. And that ensures that everyone only gets one answer to the survey, that there can't be fraud. And then you, the, okay, okay wait. So this is actually the direction we were going down earlier. So I actually do want to go down this direction, even though it sounds like what he's saying is silly. He's no, wait, no, it's okay. Yeah, that part sounds stupid. But I'm saying HTT. that essentially the, the society votes on what it wants its values to be, and those values are then used to train an AI to, like, automatically, like, you, you present an issue to the AI, and the AI trained on those values comes up with some sort of, you know, um, solution or some sort of new funding or some sort of new initiative. Uh, we obviously don't have Okay, but now. let's let's just, yeah, let's just take the AI out of that question, though. Let's... Let's just look at like how can how can a system like that potentially make the system we have now more efficient. So this gets back to what HGP was talking about earlier with like having voting be much more efficient, efficient, such that people can like vote on a bunch of different things really often using this whole crypto empowered thing. Basically, everyone can just vote on their smartphones and that would actually work. Like, what can we do with that? Well, he was talking about like basically being able to get a sentiment metric across the population. And could this in some way um, make up for or like be comparable to the social cohesion we have historically only had through um, religious sort of uh, cohesion and that sort of stuff? Like, I definitely want to go that direction. I like, I like this direction. Can I, can I chime in a quick idea and then I'll mute again? But, um, uh, you know, if we had this type of voting system, why would we, we, we could get rid of the whole middleman representational democracy and just have the populace vote on everything. Well, uh, yeah, so stupid. I think yeah. most people don't <laughs> give a shit about most of the stuff that the government actually, like the Congress is actually voting on. Like they rarely even give a shit about like big bills even. And even then it's like they Barely care. I can they see just care that the party's like California, A state like California, which has a lot of ballot propositions and is really into techno democracy, I could see them adopting some of this stuff. And I think it would work. 
but the question is, is it a good idea? Are people smart enough to govern it themselves? Is, it is a terrible idea, yeah, exactly. and it you know, would not work. A, it's obviously a terrible idea. People are, like, stupid. People can't... Oh, okay. People, people so, can't uh, even... People can't even choose. People can't even like choose. Okay, we we've we've people been over this a, a couple times, together. and like, um, <laughs> we we've been over that aspect of the conversation a couple times, but we have landed on there are there is room for improvement of the system we have now, which does work to some degree here, right? So I totally hear all this criticism. We've already gone over it multiple times but that was before some of y'all entered um so i want to look at like what's the margin at which we could improve the current system with such a system i'm not saying totally go full democracy um because there's a lot of issues with that because yeah i mean all, all the things i'll just pointed out and and much more which uh R ronald can remind us of if he wants to um but we're looking at like what could be a possible benefit of a system like that? That's the question here. Yeah, okay. but I don't want the least people voting as possible. You want the least people voting as possible? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, okay. I'll try, okay. To, I'll, I'll try to incorporate into what Fallen said because he wants to like how can how can at least some of these benefits of some of these democratic processes at least as facilitated for technology actually be incorporated even if it's not the system itself. Um, I'm personally anti-democracy um, to some extent, um, so it'll be a little difficult for me. Um, that said, I mean, I guess it's... You can't it's, be anti-democracy. I know, because it's like... Uh, I do think it's a group... I do think a democracy, um, you know, it can, like, for a democratic vote, vote democracy out of its form of government. And, like, you know... If, if you know, that's like a that's a role of democracy. Okay, right? okay. So I'm gonna remind people because I guess y'all weren't in the space when we talked about this. But again, we've covered all this stuff, so it's it's repetitive at this point. But here, in the context of this conversation, democracy is a transient force that exists in all governance systems. It's not the governance system. It's just in a pure old school monarchy. There's still a democratic force, which is that people will riot and start killing the people in power if they are really pissed off, right? That's Okay, so I would, support nudges, I would support nudges in the system for only smart people to vote. Um, okay, so so let's expand I, on I that. Think, like, I think the notion of democracy people people is... that agree with you. How do you determine who the smart people are? I think only to right, do should. exactly. Exactly. How do you determine who the smart people are? How do you get people to agree? It's only the Jews uh, because you know, you could, you could, yeah, so you could limit the franchise to like landowners or something. So you're saying that landowners are so smart. If you bought smart. a piece of land 80 years ago, then you're just a genius. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a patrilinealist. I, I think. I think that is. He just wants yeah, people to use somebody, word like patrilinealist and he brings up neat to casual conversation to be able to vote. What did you say? Uh, I was saying that uh, I, I love the question about the private land ownership because land is so good. It's like the best asset ever, you know, and, um, you know, the passing down land over, you know, whoever gets the land first gets to own it, that type of thing. And it's such a it's, it's just such a fascinating, you know, structure. And I was saying, um, oh, yeah, like 
bring me that culture. You got less than 3% chance to um, hold on to it for more than uh, three generations. So I was saying, give me that land, like, you know, as a federal government. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, on this point, I'd like to tie it to, like, one of the biggest issues we have in our current system, which is that the oligarchy is, like, buying up all the land. And so, like, how do you deal with that problem? It's not a problem. It's actually a very good place. What are you they just about? get more votes. It's, do you think it's the a privatization of a public asset? Is on your side, dude? Like it, it, dude, it's, it's it, a privatization. What? That means we're headed straight for communism, bro. What are you talking about? No, because it's not public. It's a private entity. I'm very libertarian. Uh, who cares? Who cares? I'm talking I mean, about it, state government. No, I don't want Bill Gates owning. I don't want Bill Gates in China owning. I don't like these people, but it's good on the principle that they're private actors. Of course, you, of course you would say that because you're stupid. I know I am. I, I think the, the problem is uh, this idea of private property. Um, because as long as you have a state, you have sovereignty. And so the sovereign can overrule what you want to do with your property. And so I used to think that way and be kind of libertarian. And then you read like Carl Schmitt and you see like, you're not going to live under Caesar and just have your little libertarian thing and do stuff that Caesar doesn't like, you know, the sovereignty is, is absolute and the state will determine the role that private property has and the regulations it's subject to. Well, it depends if it wants to, uh, if it forgets the notion of free markets and, that's more so a. Uh, There's no of... such thing as free market. Every market is regulated. The question is, you know, what uh, are the regulations? I, uh, I'm obviously going to, I'm obviously going to disagree. Given well, there's a slave market so. in uh, northern Liberia. I mean, maybe that's an no, unregulated. Regulated markets Lib- are free markets. They just have been. No, slave slave markets are all. I mean, slave markets are slave markets are also self-regulated by the actors. Like they literally self-regulate their own markets. Uh, <laughs> so even those would be self-regulated. Or you just call it a black market. Anything that's outside of regulation or is less regulated. Self, even black market self-regulate. It's not pure supply and demand. There are certain people that uh, market Absolutely. actors want to engage in. Mafias, mafias would self-regulate. Uh, mafias I guess would say mafia groups will come together and say we're not going to get involved with this drug. Regulation is a criminal enterprise. Well, so regulation, so you, you're kind of posing it as it's the commonality of products, and they're like it's because co- products have commonality for one another. You have like forces in the market, and so yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay. regulation. Yeah, but. so so when the Capone crime family gets together with uh, the the Pennsylvania crime family and decides that they're not going to get involved with meth, is that a market regulation? I mean. They're saying that they're not going to be subject to the supply and demand of methods. Well, first off, it's self-regulation, then that's going to have, like, Self-regulation is still, a, is still a market regulation. Sure, well, that, I mean, that actually happens. Yes, every, every individual regulates suppliers to come in and supply the drugs. No, they're not going to be subject to supply and demand because they're going to agree in principle to not do it. Yeah, but then you just get new gangs or a new criminal enterprise that comes in. And if we could, if we could take this drug. back to the crypto thing, um, I had another thought, which is um, I think the problem I have with this idea that token holders just vote and then they elect a sovereign or they elect a, a CEO, monarch, whatever, Yarvin's idea, is um, I think, I think uh, one of the problems with our current structure is the global elite and this deterritorialized nature. So 
if you have a monarch and they're tied to a specific territory, um, if that territory goes to shit, like they and their children will probably lose their hereditary position. And the problem today is that we have these global elites. They're not tied to any country or territory or anything. And if a, per- a certain area goes to shit, like New York City, they could just move to somewhere else, you know, and they don't give a shit. Um, so the ruling class doesn't have a really care about specific pieces of territory, even like you were saying, I think, Luca, to, to uphold the social order and like arrest people robbing stores, like those basic shit, uh, the Hobbes shit. So the uh, I, also counterists are just like, I mean, culture still plays a role, even if like even though New York City will probably be a Detroit in like t- ten years or even less. Um, like, you know, there's still culture that's associated with New York City and there's still a, a reason to at least improve the city. I mean, it's a lot of people have livelihoods there. Even the elites have, you know, some connection. Of, a lot of them probably have a connection with New York City, or at least the image of it in their in their childhoods. So, no, know, no, but I, I just think there is something to, to um, if you read Land and Sea by Carl Schmidt, um, he talks about, like, England as and Venice as these merchant sea-based powers not tied to any specific territory versus a land-based empire and uh, being tied to, like, a specific territory. So I think... I think this crypto governance thing where, you know, you have these elites, they use crypto to put in a CEO in charge of a specific territory, but they're not actually tied to the territory yeah. in a definitive way like a prince or a king is. Well, it, it okay, makes it what less, about... Okay, it makes it less fixed on how you know, would they be tied then? their how property and more so on, just on their own agency. So How is a king or prince... Do, how are they... Um, you know, defined to have access and owning the land. How 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 does that exist? What about some sort of wait? Sorry, I didn't catch the end of that. How are they? What with the land? Not... How is the ownership inscribed? In what way does the the person obtain their their permission? Well, they For have sex. a lodial title, and typically they take it in a war, I guess, or they inherit it. I'm saying but... that. Through a crypto-based system, say that you created some sort of society that wasn't tied to any specific territory, but somehow membership in that society and paying dues in that society led to... Is someone talking? I I can't hear anything. Yes. Uh, Thomas is. Let me leave. It's glitched. Um, Honestly, do Twitter is not any less glitched than before Elon Musk took it over. Like, yeah, the glitches like, still it, exist, the thing but is, spaces are just so bad. Like the API is horrible. Well, I've gotten plenty of followers on my not safe work account through Twitter Spaces, so it's uh, it's worked with me. I'm I don't, I'm not saying they're not good. I mean, I'm still on Twitter Spaces, but like the API is terrible. It's, yeah, it's a absolutely. reverse engineered version of Periscope, and it's not good at all. Yeah. Uh, okay, can you hear me now, Ronald? Yeah. Sorry about that, man. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I was saying, what about? Obviously, this doesn't exist, but what about using? Um, crypto tokens to create some sort of society 
that was not tied to any specific lands, but that that society, um, like membership and, you know, performing civic acts and paying whatever form of taxes uh, that society has entitled you to some sort of, um, like some sort of benefit some, that a traditional nation state uh, well, would offer. Well, currency has to have some level of uniqueness for each, uh, for each item. Um, and usually if it's you know, going to be tied to land or some notion of identity, if you're suggesting it's like a commodity, then I don't think it's a good idea unless the commodity is scarce. Um, yeah, I mean, how but is yeah, that but, different from just, yeah. like, money, Thomas? Well, yeah, like, you might as well just use the U.S. dollar as... No, a, no, 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 I'm not talking about, like, crypto as money. I'm talking about, like, some, like... I know, but what I'm <laughs> saying is what you just described basically is money still. That's my point. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that crypto is used to transact. I'm saying that it's... I know that, dude. Okay. What I'm saying, I'm saying the description you gave is a description of money. You just redefined money. What... What's the difference between what you said and a new kind of money? I'm saying it's literally just an online community and everyone is a token holder. I mean, if it's based on identity? Um, yeah, it's, that, that's uh, all I'm saying. But identity is still a uh, there's still an, like an economic uh, value to it. Like At least I'll, like, I'll use Twitter as an example. Like If you've caught up with what Elon Musk has done for identity on here, like like for Twitter Blue, you have to pay for it, and then hence, uh, um, you know, the notion of identity or scarcity on Twitter Blue accounts is still, you know, there's still a financial cost to it. Um, and the same is in the real world, like, you know, whatever the identity is expressed through culture or heritage or the value of a society or neighborhood, you know, property. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's you'd be creating a market based around status which we already have that with gold and silver gold and silver are practically useless for the ways that people use them it's all about status and scarcity basically yeah so i'm asking is it possible like with or do you guys think it's possible with the technology we have now to create a society not tied to any specific like territory or is that or is the territory integral to and like being close to other members i think we already integral? have societies like that i mean like the united arab emirates is basically completely a transnational service economy um that's not you, you can't say it's specifically tied just to dubai or whatever uh, like most of these places are linked to dubai but, it, but they have other headquarters elsewhere so I think this is already kind of going on in some of the Gulf states. I disagree. People have physical bodies and they'll never be digital, or at least not for not, you know, yet. No, I don't know if that's true. I mean, um, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's, it is a way to organize a country. I don't think it's the only way. I think you want to still be a, per, per, uh, you want to still be a producer. I think that's still the best uh, country to have long term. Until... Uh, but, you, but, you, but like the UAE is a very successful country. It's a very successful society. It's just organized in a different way. Um, until people's bodies can be stored on servers that could be anywhere in the world and information can be held simultaneously in multiple places all at once. Until people's identities are literally like first and foremost on the internet and then secondarily in physical life. Um, I don't see a this notion of... No, this is ridiculous. Is... All you need is dual citizens. 
I mean, how is that like enjoyable? I don't. Not, I don't even want to get into this. It's just so fucking delusional and like, I don't. People already are like dual citizens. All right. Um. Yeah. Sorry, Ronald. Uh, I just sent you a co-host again. So Ronald's my like actual guest speaker for this. So I want to go down the rabbit hole he wants to go down, which is talking about how the the system could work better if we have people tied to land and stuff like that. So let's just assume that as a baseline and put put the put the other conversation to the side because that's just an infinitely deep rabbit hole there. So um, yeah, and and HDP, HDP and Ronald were like talking about starting to go back and forth like how could we have a system that's tied to the land how would that work how would that how would people like be accountable to that and stuff that's the direction i want to go from here thanks man is it cool i mean i think people should be able to disagree and say that's not a problem not the solution is that fair oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i just felt like yeah. we didn't actually we didn't actually give that question a chance and they were like going off on another tangent again so yeah yeah I'm just so trying I was... to keep I'm just trying to keep some direction to this conversation. Yeah, so I was saying a main pro- this the problem with this crypto government where token holders elect a board or elect a CEO to run the state, the problem is um they can live somewhere else. So the ruling class can live somewhere else. And you have this merchant control of the state, which is a big problem. Uh they just buy sovereignty and then you have um yeah, they're not tied to a specific Why? place. So the, what's Why up? not? The, the whole thing with the crypto structure is that you can make it programmable. So you could make it so that it, they have to be tied to the area. You could have, you know, a system of requirements in order for their ownership to be valid. That's the whole yeah. thing with the is the programmability of the permission. Like, I, I, under, I totally get what you're saying. Like, there's huge problems if you just have this, like, internationally owned token that represents value right and it's just like everyone is just arbing it and who knows what the fuck their incentives are just it destroys the local people there like yeah i I agree with you fully on that but crypto itself can be used for more than a structure like that yeah i guess um i was going with yarvin's like formal proposal but yeah, I guess you could do that. I, oh, I was... Yarvin, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got you. I kind of always no, no, that because I think it's I'm a kind of a crit- I'm a big critic of you know that, but not for because I disagree, just because uh, for other reasons. Well, we got some other people. Maybe we'll just go down the line to to Luca and then Jews and Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, maybe take turns a little bit more. But yeah, go ahead, Luca. Or J4. My bad. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, like, this land thing. I mean, land only matters uh, because of resources. I mean, the, what you're, the word you're looking for is property. But property can be intellectual property. Like, that's why the UAE is still successful. It's intellectual property. You want your property to be tied to natural resources, though, for the best society, like productive capacities, which are tied to natural resources. So that would be inevitably land. That's where you would align at land, at land as, the, as the property. Um, and I, I, I think that 
that's what the United States needs to focus on. I know Peter's eye hand talks about this. Really, the only countries that can feasibly do be a land natural resource oriented are the United States and Argentina going into the future um, and maybe Russia because of climate change. Um, so I think that should be a priority for us. And we have some population pyramid advantages as well for that. Um, but it's not the only thing you, that you need. I mean, there's other there's other types of property. You just need to excel in one uh, for it to carry your society. But I do agree with Ronald that land is uh, is the best. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. Maybe I was unclear. What I was saying is um, in the, in a proposal I read from Yarvin that you'd have this token and they would elect a CEO to run a state. Um, I, what I was saying is the problem with the current system is that if the elites like screw up New York City, they can just move somewhere else. So they're not tied. In other words, the people who control a specific geography, if it goes to shit, they can just move. They're still rich and they can, they're diversified across all these places. Um, and so they can just move somewhere else. So you almost don't want your elites to be diversified or have like owning stuff somewhere else. Yeah, like, no, you, I think you, that's a good civic. That's a good civic argument, right? Like so that, you, would be, that would be a good civic argument against um, against uh, the UAE, for example. Like nobody's tied to that. Like the king is. The king absolutely actually, is. Yeah, and, and actually, um, the UAE goes through like vast population changes. Like within the last ten years, I think it's lost population uh, because of the economic environment. I mean, it's so dependent upon the economic environment that if stuff goes to crap, then they'll lose like 200,000 people in like two in like a uh, five year period, which is crazy. But stuff just, will actually happen. I'm um, just saying that the that when you have a king tied to a specific piece of land, if th- if stuff goes completely to shit, they'll probably lose their position and their kids won't inherit the throne and they'll lose everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wait, why so are you I talking about you political a, or cultural elites? That's why you need a patrilineal society based on natural resources that are tied to the land, I think. Yeah, I was I was referring more tied to the land as in, sorry, not like natural resources, but like this piece of territory, this person rules. And like if it goes to complete shit, they lose their position, you know? And, and that's a very different set of incentives than the current elite who get off on creating like chaos and uh, screwing up pieces of territory. And then they just move it, you know? Um, sure. One question. So maybe we go to, but next, I think they're I tied, right. Because if, if they made their money off of the, the land and like, <laughs> if they were making all of their money off of uh, resource extraction in Alaska, then they probably would run it better, but they're not, they're making their money off of like financial institutions and wall street. So my question when we start looking at that is how do you counteract like the issues we're seeing right now with the oligarch, like the big three companies, BlackRock and State Street? And like, how do you stop like the consolidation of all this land and power? What's what's the fundamental force preventing that from happening? I have an idea, but maybe we go to Thomas. I mean, I think the state should intervene and prevent these acquisitions. Um, I was going to ask a different question of 
what your thoughts on Georgism is and uh, its interaction with like internet if it was to be brought back. Um, so, uh, I mean, how I would stop block BlackRock? Um, probably to for the state to encourage other private actors that can rival it, such as there's a there's a actual like competition between large asset management uh, companies. Uh, because there's only a very few right now, and it's they're effectively you know come together all a monopoly. So, I think um, that for um, well, other people can answer, but I think that so BlackRock and all these uh, companies, their the growth in their balance sheets is mostly through the growth in passive investment, and I think that eventually, uh, because you used to have especially in like the 80s, right? You have like these activist investors who go into a company. They, a lot of the times they do like unethical stuff. Like they're like, oh, we can buy this company, strip it, sell all its assets and, you know, we make money, everyone else loses. But there's also activist investors that came in and looked at their, you know, they're like, this is a good business. Like it's being, mis- it's being run badly and, you know, we can come in and make money here. Um, and then, you know, that's good for everyone, basically. But the thing with passive is that passive management is extremely conservative. So you have BlackRock owning, in, you know, massive amounts of some companies owning the majority of other companies. And, you know, they're they're not going to take any risks because they're um, because it's passive management. But also that means that the company just sort of slowly ossifies because, the they're not going to be in, uh, encouraging the company to go into new sectors. So while they're like everything's going well for the economy right now, I see they have a question. Um, but once you know things are not going so well, and then you see okay, of these companies that haven't innovated, that haven't changed, um, you know, then those companies aren't going to do well, and passive managers are disproportionately more likely to be invested in those companies. So I, I feel like. It, it could solve itself, but it could take decades or however long. Well, we okay. So I'll, oh. I'll ask a more awesome. specific question because, like, pa- I mean, to me, passive investing basically is communism. I mean, I don't know if we want to go down that robot hole or like if do y'all just like agree with that. Um, yeah, I kind of. I mean, yeah, especially. I mean, only. I mean, if if it's a Monopoly in their passive investing, uh, that's codenamed for like power grabbing, basically. And uh, distri- they're doing it for distri- distributive purposes, ultimately. Right. Right. Yeah. So to me, to me, passive investing, like index funds, all that is basically like the corruption that's leading to communism or, or something like that. It's basically communism as far as I'm concerned. But so in terms of like, how could we build a system that wouldn't let like a black rock take shape? What are the, what's like the specific mechanisms we need, like in this context of like a land based uh, power structures and stuff? Like what are some of the specific mechanisms that, that we would need that like our current drone swarms, killer drone swarms. Yeah, that would definitely work. Well, I do think asset managers are like an important part of any economy. However, the problem in BlackRock is probably its size, and its uh, and the, and that there's no uh, private, well, like real, like small, like small companies that 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 can compete with it. So maybe like antitrust or um, 
It's really just having the government like uh, well, they use to make a more level playing field. They don't own um, everything directly. They split up into a million different managed funds. That yeah, are yeah. And, and, and there's benefit to keeping them as a big um, well, Goliath. What I'm saying is, I mean, if BlackRock makes bad investments and they don't let their companies change and the people invested in those funds lose their money, then the problem sort of takes care of, its, care of itself, right? You just have mm-hmm. a huge... And, like, BlackRock is, you know, BlackRock is promoting they, passive investment. The problem is they fuck not... us all over in the process because, like... Oh, that's I fine. mean, the other, the other way this can go is, like... It's not fine. What are you talking about? It is fine. It's no, a no, it's not. I mean, I'm... you have, like, the worst takes ever, dude. Luca. Oh, we're I'm, friends. I'm saying that the company... Okay, so, uh, you know, BlackRock invests in... Okay, real quick, I just want to say, my stance on this is that going all in on a company like BlackRock, index funds in general, anything like that, ultimately devolves into communism and is definitely not the way we want to go. If you have a counter-argument for that, I'd be curious to hear it, but that, that's what I'm saying. Transparency between the government and private industry is really the uh, the only route forward, such that these ties are removed. Okay, I, I see Ronald has something, but what, what I'm saying is that okay, so say BlackRock invests in Blockbuster, uh, and everything's good. You know, you make a lot of money on movie rentals, and then because of their passive management, Blockbuster goes under. Then the blockbuster is just eaten by Netflix, so the society doesn't go down, right? Like, we're not all just fucked over because BlackRock invested in, you know, made a bad investment. Their investors are fucked over, and that in the future they can't get as much money because they lost money before. So okay, that's... but what actually is happening is BlackRock, Vanguard, and Straight, State Street are taking over the entire entire world. So like, your theory isn't like applying in this context. Um. It'd probably be for the American. One path is that the American public focuses more on like buying small from domestic, you know, domestically, and then these large conglomerates and corporations have more of a global focus. That's increasingly less on the American markets, and uh, maybe that can alleviate some uh, some danger for America, not for the world, but maybe it can encourage some free markets. I, I was going to say, I think the, the like, um, observing the outcome is correct. I think the um, diagnosis of why it's happening is a bit off. Um, I think it's not happening because of free markets, but um, more like the government intervention. So I think um, when you have something like the Federal Reserve and the Fed will say what is, what is their job is to be the lender of last resort, right? But... That means when someone gets over indebted and they would go bankrupt, the Fed bails them out. That's basically what that's saying. And uh, there's a quote, it says, there's no such thing as like capitalism. Capitalism without bankruptcy is like Christianity without hell, you know? So, you know, I think if you follow the history of the Fed and central banking and, you know, too big to fail started in 1981 with continental Illinois. So I think over time we see greater and greater socialization of incumbents. 
basically. And what that means is if you take too much risk, right, and you're an airline and you issue a bunch of high-yield debt um, and then COVID hits, you don't go bankrupt. The Fed bails you out. You know, so Warren Buffett should have lost his shit, right, because he owned the airlines and they spent 10 years buying back their stock and they should have gone under. And this would mean you'd see a recycling of capital where the incumbent rich lose money. But it's, I think it's no, it's no surprise that the century of democracy went with the century of, you know, massive, massive uh, wealth inequality because the merchants control the state and they can use the state to their advantage. So I think um, really good book I recommend is called The Rise of Carey. It's by Tim Lee, Jamie Lee and some other guy. And Financial, they right? Yeah, yeah. And they, they basically talk about like, you know, look at look at every every bailout is bigger than the than the last. Um and the the Fed can't create prosperity. That in two thousand eight there was a giant bailout and then they started buying treasuries. And in COVID they were buying corporate bonds and they were buying high yield bonds. The Fed's buying high yield bonds. So what you see is this just greater and greater socialization of incumbent ownership where th- the businesses take, they take too much risk. And the, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about consolidation with this is the, when you're a business and you can borrow and you can artificially borrow money, right. Against your existing assets, you can borrow money cheaper because when you have assets, which is fair and free market, but two is because the Fed sets the interest rate too low. Uh, you can borrow assets and buy up your competitors. So it's usually the case that smaller companies are purchased by larger companies, which is perfectly how the system's designed to work. So you see this consolidation, um, you know, and I think that, that that part of that is economies of scale. Part of that would happen in a free market. But part of it is this kind of central bank subsidization of incumbent, they call it incumbent advantage, that basically like you should go bankrupt and lose all your money if you can't, you know. Yeah, so I think um, I think the central bank and the money system is behind a lot of this. And uh, we should just legalize capitalism. I mean, we used to have capitalism in this country before the New Deal and before the Fed, so you can't just issue high yield bonds and buy back your shares for 10 years and then get bailed out by the taxpayer. Well, the other thing is that the it's, it's, I think it's sort of a difficult question because on one hand you have economies of scale, you have like an Amazon providing like massive consumer surplus, but then if Amazon, you know, goes down somehow, uh, then you have, you know, a ton of unemployment, you have, people's pension funds like evaporating and so it's like how do you maximize the consumer surplus but at the same time you're maximizing it by consolidation so it's like i mean is, is there a way to do like some sort of managed like um say amazon goes bankrupt and then like the government handles the sale of its of its assets or of its stock or something that's a, that's a typical bankruptcy process. A lot of airlines continue operating while in bankruptcy. They they keep flying people because all that happens is their existing shareholders lose their shares and they're sold to someone else. Well, oh, okay. Well, actually, isn't the problem in two thousand eight wasn't that? I mean, the the government made money on in two thousand eight, but 
um, that the problem isn't that no one will. The, the problem is that at in certain you know periods like that, you know, no one has any money and no one wants to take any risk. So it's like you can't. You know, the only option I think was the bailout if they wanted to keep the company afloat because they can't. You know, I think they tried to get someone to buy it, but there was so much uncertainty and so much chaos that they couldn't find a buyer. So they had to. Um, that, that's why the bailout happened. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, but that—that's because, uh, like, it's running on this whole broken system, and so you just keep getting more and more larger crises and larger bailouts. I mean, how is that? Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying, what's the fix if? If consolidation leads to consumer surplus, but then the eventually reaches some point where you get a too big to fail type situation, and eventually something, you know, fails. Consumer surplus. What is that? That's just like you know you you pay for something, and then the the consumer surplus is the amount that you would have paid for it minus the amount you paid. Okay, so the price of it goes down. That's what you're saying, because. Like Amazon is a good example of that. It's like, how much would you pay every year to be able to return, you know, fucking anything you buy, no questions asked? Okay, so I like, I'm going to try to put together a couple ideas we've talked about here. So Ronald just said, go to real capitalism. I kind of, I like that idea. <laughs> that sounds like it could have some merit to it. So real capitalism plus um, it needs some regulation. Otherwise, we have this like snowballing uh, like effect of the, the shit with like BlackRock and all that shit. You can kind of have that same thing happen. Um, so then we can have regulation on who can actually buy land and then like what little uh, real power, like real government system we need would be tied to land ownership. Um, how does that sound to you, Ronald? Like, can, and, and if that's generally the, the direction you're pushing for, what would be like the minimal government we would actually need to like have those regulation and that power structure, um, and accountability mechanism in place? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer all of that. Um, but I was going to say, I don't think you'd need to like manually limit BlackRock or these other firms. I, I think their position is due to, like I said, the Fed and um, BlackRock managed the Fed's bond buying program during COVID. So, I mean, and the Fed actually bought the BlackRock uh, corporate bond ETF. So you could say that, for example, like, let's say you're a small ETF issuer and you have a corporate bond ETF, well, your your product isn't as attractive because you might own different bonds. And so they're not getting that kind of price boost from the Fed buying the BlackRock. Uh, I think the ticker is LQD. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But you did say that like there would be regulation on who can buy land though, right? What, what like form would that take? Uh, I don't know if I said that. I mean, I think only citizens should be able to own land. But like one citizen could own all the land. That might have been Lucas said that. Oh um, yeah, it might have been. I I think his problem was, I think the problem, if I can latch on to him, is that like 
these elites who are getting rich by illegitimate means are uh, further enriching themselves by, like I said, borrowing at artificially low rates. So they have a lot of assets. They can borrow money and buy more assets. And then, uh, yeah, they can buy land or just stocks or whatever, you know, so. Do you think, think the, the rates problem... right now are artificially low? Um, no, I mean, I think the fiat money system keeps them artificially low as like a prerogative. I don't know. I don't know right now. I mean, I think it's, I think the, the fiat money system is a way of socializing risk. I mean, when the Fed says lender of last resort, that's literally what they mean, right? Like someone who, sh- who can't meet their obligations, the Fed bails them out. That's what that means. So if one person were to attain all the land, then wouldn't that make the system break down? Like what are there natural forces that would prevent that from happening or would that not be a problem? Would that just be the like monarchy that, that would be ideal? I don't think that ever happened, man. Okay. But why, why specifically would that never happen? I mean, it could happen and you could have like, it, it, I mean, it most likely be like a couple people and I'll just associate people with corporations. Like if a couple of corporations were to control all the land in the U S like, I mean, it would be doomed for failure. So I would just say that just to let, you know, I mean, the way that it would resolve is just by, uh, you know, the failure of productivity and, uh, people like to own things or at least it motivates them to, to do work. So just like basic competition, essentially, like yeah, uh, the the system would kind of corrupt and degrade, and then people would yeah. be able to like buy some piece yeah. of it to like be more productive, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a it's a boring argument, but yeah, that, no, yeah, I mean, it, I, I I like it, boring. It, boring is simple and, and efficient, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah, it. the U.S. will will uh, lose its power overseas. It'll become less and less of a uh, you know there'd be less and less of a reason for people to buy american goods america won't be a leader in anything you know what's already happening and then uh yeah and then you know probably some event will occur that uh you know that starts to open up you know a free market at least a notion of multiple competitors I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a little bit accelerationist at this point, but I don't know. See, Ben, for me, maybe the question is like, you know, if we were to do this in the, if we were like to experiment with this system in the U.S., then assuming someone does kind of capture up all the land, what's gonna like say some you other? Got, you have a lot, of, a lot of wages and kgs, and uh, but yeah, I mean there'll be. You know, less and less innovation. You only, you know, maybe they'll make a bigger well, cage. Well, my but... my question is like, what's to stop like another country that like has a more efficient and effective system from like gaining enough power and then coming in and like buying a huge chunk of it? Like, uh, like... hopefully that the people, the, the elites, or at least whichever elites are attached to the U.S. still are, um, you know, or I guess more attached to the U.S. are you know going to care for this system and will fight to protect it and the. I guess the workers will, uh, you know, if, if there's any sentiment of heritage and, uh, and you know, love for your work, uh, hopefully they'll, like, want to protect it as well. But, yeah, there's no, I mean, there's nothing because it's, it's a free market. International relations is a free market. It's, uh, 
I mean, it's a what's the what's the for term? Uh, what is it? What's the term? Well, this is kind of why I'm interested in approaching things from more of a how do we make our current system more efficient? Because it's like we can talk about this stuff, but it's like we're so, so far from having that system. And even if we did, it's like I just don't have any reason to to really believe like believe we can predict how it would work out or how it would last in like the more global dynamic. Like we haven't really talked much at all about you know, the, the global power structure in this conversation and like how that would play into this. So, I mean, this, all this shit's so fucking complicated, but, um, yeah, probably ready to call it a night pretty soon here, but happy to keep going. If y'all got stuff to chime in on what you got for us, Ronald. Sorry, I meant to do a hundred, but, um, I think it's a good chat, you know, obviously a lot of different issues we discussed. Um, yeah, not sure we solved anything, but I think I think we had a good back and forth, especially on the uh, the crypto stuff and and some of uh, you know what Luca was talking about. Um, you know what what is the social capital? I think is is key to um, human flourishing, right? Yeah, I mean, I I really like that direction. I mean, that's literally my my day to day is just like how to improve social capital in my own community, like not even thinking about governance, because that's just so like, unapproachable as a problem. But I can go out and talk to someone in my family or someone in my community and just like, try to improve the social capital in my community. And I feel like I can have a real effect doing that. So Hundred percent, I resonate with that, and, and any approach along those lines, I think, is good. I do think there's like some merit to what HDP was talking about with like the sentiment measuring. Just like if we could make the system we have now just have a couple more efficiencies, or just like a couple more aspects that made people feel like they actually were able to contribute in a meaningful way. Um, but then, obviously, there's the the other side of that, which is like really your typical peasants don't know how to vote effectively. So there's like that, but I don't know. I I do see like some promise in a system like this, just making things work better and and be more efficient at least. So I'm, I'm optimistic on that front anyway. I trust the spoken word more than technology. So anything that's close to it. There's really no, there's really no replacement for, you know, personal connection, like one-on-one, like in-person and stuff, especially, but cool. Well, I guess, I guess we'll call it a night there, folks. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for, thanks for a great conversation. Yeah, I had to run real quick to go to the bathroom. So I came back and said, you're wrapping it up. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. Good talking to y'all. Awesome. Appreciate it. Good night. Hey, good night.